Welcome to the Lemp Report Live. On today's broadcast, the appeal of Gen Z, how social isolation is changing our culture, one restaurant chain that's changing its menu to be a third plant-based, what's going on with rice these days, a restaurateur that wants to change the world, and on the bullseye, what's up with McDonald's? Let's get started. So we've talked a lot about Generation Z over the past few years, the importance of this group of people that are born between 1977 and the year 2012. Uh, last week at the RDBA Virtual Experience, uh, we spoke a lot about Generation Z, how they've shaped more than any other uh, with the digital age, climate anxiety, concern, global unrest, wars, financial insecurity, student loans, and of course, the educational disruptions due to COVID-19. Uh, McKinsey uh, surveyed Generation Z and found them to have the least positive attitude and outlook and the highest percentage of mental illness of any generation. Sally, what are we going to do to help this generation? <laughs> Well, Phil, yes, they are. They are born between 1997 and 2012. So they are age 11 to 25. So some of them are, you know, in middle school. And then we have some that are a part of the workforce now and maybe even starting families. Um, but this generation, you know, they are they are they are deeply affected by influencers and um, social media and digital marketing. And so um, we have to think a little bit differently about how we market to them. And then they also are influenced by um an economic crisis that you know started in 2008 with our financial crisis, and now with the cost of living um, being uh, being unstable right now. So, so we're looking at um, a new way of of marketing to them. And what what we're hearing is is that 90% of Gen Z are influenced by influencers. So it's very important for these brands to think about you know who is representing their products out there. But the problem we're running into is that that, you know, not a lot of healthy um, foods when it comes to food, healthy foods and foods with a higher nutritional profile are making their way through all of this digital marketing. And also, you know, to, to throw out another stat, 60% of the 1 billion users who are on TikTok, uh, according to McKinsey again, are Generation Z. So if, in fact, what we want to have is we want to have uh, good, healthy foods uh, by this generation, uh, what they really need to do is is focus on how to market and how to talk to them and you know i think that there are some groups that do that um certainly here in southern california airwan um as a supermarket chain is doing it really well but i haven't seen a lot of brand advertising and we're going to talk uh, a bit more about brand advertising in a little bit um but that's really doing it well um there's this one uh product called Liquid Death. It's a water product. And they use cans with imagery of heavy metal music on it. And um, the reason that they came out with this product is they had met um, the people from Monster um, Energy Drink. And they found the teens were walking around with cans of Monster after they finished the energy drink and had water in it because the can looked cool. It was just simple as that, they said. <laughs> 
Yes, um, we are hearing that a more playful style of marketing is good for this audience, um, that they appreciate authenticity, and they also appreciate a sense of purpose. Um, so, I mean, with that can, when you when you talk about that can, I think about the, the metal music and the influence of that, and it looks cool. But I also wonder, Phil, um, since this is a generation that is more um, concerned about the planet and social issues, that maybe they're just putting water in it to, um, you know, to reuse that can. <laughs> That's excellent point. Excellent point. Um, and when we look at some of the findings from McKinsey, it leads right into our next story about social isolation. Um, loneliness has been on the rise in the U.S. for decades. One estimate is that more than two out of three working adults consider themselves lonely. The U.S. Surgeon General is calling this an epidemic, um, and it comes at a significant economic cost, lost productivity at work, increased spending on physical and mental health care. Medicare alone spends an extra $6.7 billion a year caring for socially isolated older adults. And why are we just so lonely? I'm not lonely. Are you lonely? <laughs> I don't think so, Phil, but you know, I get to talk, talk with you and Tony every day. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, you know, a lot of people are, are working remotely, um, particularly since the pandemic. And, you know, for those people that have not gone back to work or have not entered into hybrid work situations, then, you know, it is, it, it's understandable that there, um, that there is a great deal more of isolation. You know, it's, it's costing employers approximately $154 billion annually. Um, they're, you know, workers are, they're quitting or they're not productive. Um, it has organizational effectiveness, uh, you know, cost. And so it really is weighing heavily on the um, on our productivity productivity in the work environment. Um, some of the things that, you know, we've heard that that businesses can do to help their uh, employees with this is to make sure that you're having moments during the week where there is required interaction, either in the office or gathering online. You can do that. Um, but also finding ways for workers to take time to share something that's actually, you know, from who they are, their personal life, rather than it just being all business. And the other thing um, that what they talk about is the fact that when you're on Zoom, like we are now, you miss the other cues for body language. Uh, mm -hmm. Cigna, the healthcare company, uh, did some research that found that workers who had the job resources of social companionship, good work-life balance, and satisfaction with communications were 53% less likely to be lonely than other people. Um, Whitson's is a food service operator that runs a lot of school lunch programs. Um, what they've decided to do um, after they they had a concept restaurant called Vegables, uh, they've decided that they want one third of its menu to be plant based by 2025. Um, and they're making the, the schools have at least one plant based offering. Do you think that this is going to work? 
Well, I really hope so. I really love this concept. So what they did last year in New York in a K through 12 school district, they piloted the, the vegetables program. And this was a 100% plant-based program. Um, so the menu was all vegetable and plant-based, uh, which is really incredible. So yes, the goal being that, you know, that we can reduce our impact, our negative impact on the environment and um, also provide more nutrition for um, our students um, by offering more plant-based items. And this isn't, this isn't like, you know, what we've already seen where, you know, for example, my daughter is a vegetarian and, you know, there will usually be a plant-based option at school every day, but meat is also served every day. So the difference here, I believe, is that, you know, meat is not going to be served every day in these cafeterias. And that could really reduce our negative impact on the environment. Um, I believe they already saw from their pilot that the emissions saved um, from 49 account, the emissions saved were 80,820 pounds. Now that is equivalent to 90,966 miles driven. So we're already seeing that this type of concept can have a major impact. Absolutely. And also if we can get students um, to go plant-based earlier in life, they're going to carry that through uh, for the rest of their life. And whether it's because of greenhouse gases, whether it's being healthier, whatever, we're, we're all going to win by doing that. Um, we've got a major problem here in California, uh, but I don't want to focus just on California. Um, California is a major supplier of rice uh, because of all the rains here. Um, the rice crop this year is basically a third less. But then when we go overseas, China is the number one country that produces rice there, they've had droughts. So what we're going to see is we're going to see less rice that's out there higher prices of rice and it's it, it's predicted uh some people are predicting that you know it might be over by the year 2025 uh but i know at least in california it's not going to be over yet yes this um this crisis with uh, rice production does seem to be um something that is going to affect um everyone worldwide, um, the, the war in Ukraine. And as you mentioned, um, extreme weather issues, whether it's heat waves, um, El Nino has a big effect on of this, you know, and, and as in California, there have been the atmospheric rivers, we've seen flooding across the globe. So there are a lot of weather issues here at play that are affecting this. Now, the prediction is, is that it's going to get worse but then it's going to get better. Um, so let's hope that that's, that's the way it is, that it's kind of like our egg situation that we've seen where we saw our eggs go way up in price, but now they're starting to come down and things are getting better. So sex sells. Um, we know that there's a, there's a fabulous story in the New Yorker about um, a, a new restaurant uh, by Pinky Cole. Um, it's in Atlanta. It's valued at $100 million. Uh, they have some outputs now. We'll talk about that. It is called, and excuse the language, but it's called Slutty Vegan. Um, and 
you know, basically, um, they've got a lot of celebrities who have invested in it, uh, including Danny Meyer from Shake Shack. Um, and this is another example, I think, of somebody who really knows how to market, uh, marketing well to Generation Z, as we as we talked about earlier. And frankly, you know, here's an entrepreneur um pinky who's at an early age um you know was was in the food service business and making money what she and her friend used to do uh back in high school they would go to mcdonald's buy mcchicken uh for a dollar and then sell them to their classmates for two dollars <laughs> they would double the price um so you know what do you what do you think about this whole concept I think that this concept is very smart and uh, very intriguing. Um, Pinky Cole is 36 years old. She's she's had her company for five years. Um, it started as a food truck in Atlanta and then moved to their first um, brick and mortar. They have a lot of locations in the Atlanta area um, and in New York now. And this is a black owned business. It is a plant based food chain, which we have already talked about here on the show about the vegan movement within the black community and how that is really ramping up. Um, so that is wonderful. And then the, what we were talking about earlier about Gen about Gen Z and these younger generations about how they like playful marketing and authenticity and um, influencers and so and this concept for me just kind of um, uses all of those those um, things that Gen Z appreciate, um, particularly the playfulness. I mean, you can go on their website and you can see what some of the names of these items are. There's the menage a trois, which is is a vegan bacon, vegan shrimp, vegan cheese, onions, lettuce, and tomato um, with slut sauce on a vegan Hawaiian bun. So that's a plant-based burger with all of those things. They've got one called the one night stand, um, a fussy hussy. It, it goes on and they're, they're, they're really fun. And, um, you know, I'm sure this makes for a lot of really great hashtags as well. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I give her so much credit. Um, but, you know, in the article, it points out that even though she's got this huge following, um, the um, the author or the columnist was there and overheard a mom saying to her child, you know, we love coming here, but never pronounce the name. <laughs> Thanks, Sally. <laughs> On Lost in the Supermarket, I sat down with Hanukkah Faber the global president of the nutrition business group at Unilever with sales of over $12 billion and sells in more than 150 countries. She's also a member of the Unilever Leadership Executive Committee. She's been recognized by Fortune Magazine as one of the most influential international women in business. What did we talk about? Unilever's quest to fix the food system. For the complete episode, just log on to supermarketguru.com. Here's what she had to say. Talk to us a little bit about the evolving balance um, that you've seen between retail and the purchase of foods for home preparation, delivery, eating out, and how Unilever has adapted with these changes uh, that we've seen over the past two or three years during the pandemic. Yeah, great question. So I think the great news overall is that the food market is in is in good shape around the world. So. Um, it's growing robustly, and we think it will continue to grow robustly for many years to come. 
um, driven fundamentally by population growth. Um, and then within that, um, you know, now post a pandemic, we think eating out is going to grow ahead of eating in. Um, eating in, obviously eating at home, we saw a nice boost from COVID when we all, you know, relearned how to cook at home. Um, but the demographics are just in favor of away from home eating. Um, around the world, there's urbanization. People are moving to cities. Um, about 55% of people lived in cities in 2020. That's projected to go up to about 70% by 2050. And when you're in a city, you just have more access to eating out. Um, people are entering the middle class, more women are working, all those I mean, people are traveling um, more, there's more tourism and all those things um, drive eating out and eating in restaurants. So while we think the whole food market will grow probably about four to five percent a year, um, the the food service market will grow a little faster, probably seven or eight percent a year. Um, but both are very exciting numbers. Lots of news from McDonald's. The Hamburglar is out of retirement and starring in McDonald's new TV spots. Why might you ask? Well, McDonald's has decided to tweak its recipes on the Big Mac, McDouble, cheeseburgers, double cheeseburger and hamburger. What they've done is to add more Big Mac sauce to the Big Mac, add onions to burger patties while they're being cooked. Hmm, I guess someone took a look at what White Castle does. They've changed their cooking process to make hotter and meltier cheese and have softer, more pillowy buns that are toasted golden brown. The new recipes are already here in Los Angeles and expect to roll out nationwide in 2024. Chad Schaefer, chef and senior director of culinary innovation, was quoted as saying, I'll always remember my first burger from McDonald's, and now my culinary team and I have the best job in the world, thinking about ways to bring even more of that iconic McDonald's taste to fans. Well, when I was 16, like many of you, I worked at McDonald's. The path to success, way to make up the latter, was to go different positions in the kitchen. Back then, you started out making milkshakes, and depending on your skill, worked your way up the ladder to finally making Big Macs. Those days, you stacked the burger, had a contraption that would add just the right amount of sauce. It was this big metal thing with a trigger, then assembled a paper band around the burger before you finally wrapped it in paper. In 2018, McDonald's announced it was switching to fresh beef for its quarter pounders. Maybe that should be part of the reformulation on all its burgers? probably helped the taste a lot more than just a more pillow-like bun. 2022 is a record year for the chain that saw its U.S. sales increase 10.3%. So why did McDonald's restructure on April 7th with hundreds of layoffs and pay reductions for some employees? McDonald's actually temporarily closed its U.S. offices on that day as they notified corporate employees in marketing and operations that their positions were being eliminated. Since the start of the pandemic, McDonald's has accelerated new restaurant openings, enhanced its digital platform, added AI to its drive throughs to improve order accuracy and, of course, dealing with the labor shortage. They were able to eliminate that human position and replace it with technology. Back to the Hamburglar. I never got that campaign anyway, and I probably never will. Maybe it's his position that should be eliminated? The Lemper Report is all about inspiring ideas, making our industry think, and challenging each other. 
Let's think about being the shopper and how we can bring our supermarkets and restaurants closer to meet their needs. I hope you'll come back to join us on next week installment of the Lemper Report Live when we focus on the biggest and best insights and the things that really matter. Be sure to visit supermarketguru.com for the latest marketing analysis, issues, and trends. And I'll see you back here next Monday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for more.